Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 you'd bow your heads for a moment heavenly father may the word which is shared this morning which comes from your word may it be acceptable in your sight may the hearts of those who worship this morning what do they worship their lord and savior how do they know about him they know about him through your word May the word of my mouth, meditation of each heart here, centered on your word. May it be acceptable in your sight and thereby blessed by the Holy Spirit of God, who works through water and the word to affect abundant life on this earth and everlasting life in heaven. In our Savior's name, amen. Friends, you may be seated. Three foundations, three foundations, the three foundations. Sola fides, soli faith. Can you see faith? No. Can you see evidence of faith all the time? Sola gratia, soli grace, last week's sermon. God reaching down into the deep waters saying, how can I save Adam and Eve? I am a just God. They have sinned. I will send my son to those who know me not. While we were yet enemies of God, he sent his son. Solely grace. Can you see grace? No. No. Can you see evidence of grace all the time? And the last great foundation was what? Sola Scriptura. Solely God's word. Can you see God's word? Can you see God's word? Satan said, I will destroy him before he ever begins this ministry. I'll destroy him before he ever gets to the cross. And the tempter said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Where does Jesus head? Where does he, Jesus head when Satan comes against him? Jesus said to him, it is written in scripture. It is written in God's word. Man does not live by bread alone. The devil shrugs his shoulders, says, I'll go at it again. Devil took him to the high holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written in God's word, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands. Jesus said to him, it is also written in scripture. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And one more time he said, fall down, bow down, worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said for the third time, get away from me, Satan. It is written in God's word that I shall worship him and serve him only. Where did Jesus head when Satan came? Sola Scriptura. He headed straight to God's word. If that was his wisdom, if that was his power, if that was his love from God, 
If that was his protection, if that was his armor, if that was his weapon, what do you think we need on this earth? There are four things that will shake your life. The first thing that will shake your life are world events. In the past, it's been Iran, Afghanistan, Iraq. Currently, it's North Korea that besieges many prayers, beseeches many prayers from God's people, myself included, on a daily basis. World events can shake your life. Acts of nature can shake your life. I did not have any relatives in Puerto Rico, Florida, Mexico, Houston, Texas. I do have an uncle out in California. And all of a sudden, the acts of nature, the fires out there, begins to affect me personally because it affects someone that I love. Acts of nature can shake your life. The third thing, evil men, evil men can shake your life. Martin Luther surrounded by those who wanted him dead and they wear the cloth of Christianity, so they thought. Evil men surrounding King David, who I will use as a text for today. Ahithophel for 30 years inside the courts wanting his demise. His own son Absalom wanted him dead. And then the enemies from the outside that were always against Israel. You and I... Evil men can shake your life, and if they are not present in your life, God be praised. Evil men, whether it be in school, who are their bullies? At work, who are their bullies? Evil men can shake your life. And the fourth thing that can shake your life are personal circumstances. Personal circumstances that come. They can be in the realm of health, they can be in the realm of finances, they can be in the realm of job, they can be in the realm of relationships with a spouse, friends, or anyone else. Those four things can shake your life. Luther bumped into three of them on a fairly regular basis. He needed a foundation. He needed a place to stand. King David... Bumped into three of them on a fairly regular basis. He needed a place to stand. Our Lord bumped into those things. He needed a place to stand. And the place to stand I shall bring to you in Psalm 119, the 89th verse. Your word, O Lord... Your word of power that brought everything into creation. Your word of love that told us about Jesus' death and resurrection. And your word of wisdom, Philippians 3.20, that tells us everything in this universe is under your control and maintenance. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It was from the beginning of time, Revelation 13.8, And it shall be until the last day this earth stands. Did not Jesus say about sola scriptura? Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word shall never pass away. We need a place to stand. Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. 
It stands firm in the heavens. What is the bedrock? What is the source of God's word? It's in the heavens. It's right there at the throne of God. John 7.38 talks about streams of living water coming down from heaven. These are the streams of living water. And it says when these streams of living water from the scriptures fill you, those streams of living water flow out from you to others. What is the source of everything we believe? What is the source of everything we try to live? What is the source of abundant life, John 10? What is the source of everlasting life? It is sola scriptura. When it says in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where does that renewal take place? It takes place in and through the word of God. I've been blessed in all these years to have written almost, five short, almost 1,500 sermons. 1,500 sermons. And as I look back on those sermons, every single one of them had a source, Word of God. Every sermon you ever heard Bockert preach, every sermon you ever heard Brunner preach, Pastor Schauer preach, Schmidtke preach, Teske preach, every sermon you ever heard preached in this pulpit had one source, that's the Word of God. You look at the hymns, the print is so fine you probably can't see it, but if you look at the bottom of any hymn in that hymn book, you'll see two or three or four or five scriptures appointed to that hymn. I have five devotions that I'm reading at the same time. I read two in the morning, I read one in the afternoon, I read two, two in the evening. Every devotion that I read has a scripture appointed to it. And when I see that scripture, I'll read the verses ahead of it and I'll read the verses after it so I get the context. And then when I read that devotion, I am reading someone's comment on those verses from scripture. And sometimes I get amazing insights. Psalm 119. If you are a student of the Bible, you no doubt know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter to be found in the Bible. It has 176 verses. It's, a, it's an acrostic psalm. That's a bit of information you don't need to know, okay? It's a, an acrostic psalm, an alphabetic psalm. You can't see it in the English translation, but it's clear if you look at the Hebrew text. When the psalmist sat down to write Psalm 119, he used the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet as his guide. He ended up writing 22 eight-verse stanzas, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You multiply 22 times eight, you come up with 176. But the most important fact about this psalm, the most unusual feature of the psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, it has one theme and one theme only, the glories and the wonder 
of the Word of God. The longest chapter in the Bible, and it concerns itself with one theme only. The glories of the Word of God. Every verse, save for two verses, 174 out of 176 verses. Mention God's Word in every single verse. And in order that you not get bored, in order that there be variety... David, when he wrote Psalm 170, when he wrote Psalm 119, he used nine different words to describe God's word. He calls it the law of God. He calls it God's judgment. He calls it God's statutes. He calls it God's commandments, God's ordinances, God's precepts. But the final two things he mentions are what draw my attention. He refers, in Psalm 119, he refers to God's word as God's testimony. It's God's testimony. If you're in other denominations, one of the pertinent concepts of that denomination is people getting up and giving their testimony. On occasion we do it here. On occasion we put these stories on the screens and they're given their testimony. This is God himself giving his testimony, it's as if God puts his hand on the Bible and says, what is in here is both true and pure. God's testimony. And the final thing uh, that David puts in Psalm 119, he calls uh, the scripture God's promises. And those two words, this is God's testimony. Thank you, God, for your testimony. And this is God's promises. This is everything. This is everything. I asked at funerals, including my mom's funeral about two months ago, I said to those gathered, do you believe God is real? They all nodded their heads. I asked them, do you believe God's promises are real? They all nodded their heads. What promise in particular at my mom's funeral? Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. The Bible uses the word gifts not very often, doulos in the Greek. Talks about Jesus being a gift. Talks about our ability to believe in him. Uh, Philippians 1.29 is a gift given from God. Talks about the fruits of the Spirit being gifts. Talks about God's word being a doulos, a gift straight from God. Jesus made this comment only about one thing. He said, heaven and earth uh, shall pass away. But this gift from God shall never pass away. And the church which has its foundation on this word, the gates of hell, shall not stand against it. You want abundant life on this earth, it comes from this. 
Tells you everything you need to know so that fear and worry and shame and guilt and hatred and anger and vengeance and jealousy do not consume your days on this earth. It tells you everything that you need to know about those things. Testimony of God. Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The testimony of God. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble. The Lord your God is with you. It is all here, 7,200 promises in the pages of this book. Throughout church history, many a Christian leader has been drawn to this psalm that I'm talking about. John Kelvin, great Methodist preacher, 122 sermons on Psalm 119. Charles Spurgeon wrote the greatest commentary ever on the book of Psalms. And he devoted 398 pages in his book, Treasury of David, 398 pages to one psalm, Psalm 119. The top prize goes to Thomas Manton, the great Puritan pastor. He preached 190 different sermons on these 176 verses. And those 190 sermons are three volumes, 1,600 pages. On Psalm 119. Do we value God's word as we ought? I think not. If you have a half hour, will you spend it reading a devotion based on God's word? Will you spend it looking at a hymn in the hymn book based on God's word? Will you read God's word if you have a half hour of free time? Or will you be on Facebook or Snapchat, or watching TV, or checking emails, what shall you do? Three times in the last four days, I visited families going through difficult times. Three times in the last four days, I used a quote from Oswald Chambers. You've heard it from me before. He said, I pity any Christian who does not have some trial going on in their life because it's in our trials that we get close to God. It's in our trials that we come to know things about God we could know in no other way. And it's in our trials that God comes to us with great speed. How do we know such things here in God's word? Saw a gentleman yesterday, he had a brain bleed and a stroke. And when I saw him, I had not seen him in two and a half weeks. And when I saw him last, there was a great grief as to what had happened to this individual. When I saw him at Victorian Village the other day, I shook my head in absolute amazement because he was speaking and his cognitive, I was in utter shock. And the first words out of his mouth were, God has promised to be with me. And God has been with me. The three families that I visited all had something in common. They had some trial going on. They had something else in common. There was a book opened on the tables or on the bed. Do I need to share with you what book? 
When do we come to God's word? When everything's well? I don't. I come to it, but not with the intensity that I do when some trial is going on. When some trial is going on, there is great intensity as I read his word and pray over it. Great intensity. Phillips Brooks, uh, 40 years into it, what would you do, Phillips Brooks, with God's word? Well, I'd take a verse and memorize it every day. What else would you do, Phillips Brooks? Well, every day I'd write notes about the verse that I had memorized. And sometimes for a day there would be 30 pages of notes. Uh, and sometimes there would be three sentences. Phyllis Brooks, what else would you do with God's word? You'd memorize it, you'd write notes. What else would you do? I'd pray to God that that verse would come alive in my life, that it wouldn't just be words on a page. What else did you do, Phillips Brooks? Well, after I memorized it, wrote notes about it, and prayed over it, I would try and live out that verse in my life on that day. Phillips Brooks, what would happen if you ran out of verses? He said, after 40 years, it never did. He said, on occasion, I would go back to a verse that I had been involved with three or four or five years earlier. And he said, every time I went back to a verse... I would have a whole bunch of different notes about that verse. You understand what I'm saying? I can look at a verse and it can mean very little in my life. If I look at it six months later when some trial is going on, it becomes a beacon light to me. Here it stands. Basis of devotion, sermons, hymns. Basis of abundant life, basis of everlasting life. It's all here. I close with a quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, The Bible is a living entity. It lives and it breathes. It speaks to me. The Bible has feet. It runs after me. The Bible has hands, it lays hold of me. The Bible is alive, and the Bible is eternal. Closing word, his wife, his dear wife, comes to him. She's dressed in black, she has ashes on her face. Martin Luther looks up from the kitchen table, says to her, Kitty, who has died? She said to him, God has died. He said, what? You say God has died? She said to him, our daughter, 13 years of age, died six months ago. You have spoken to nobody. You have written nothing. You have done nothing for six months except grieve her passing. So I just supposed that God had died and that his promises were not true. Supposedly, Martin Luther got up from the table at that moment. He walked into his study, which he had not visited in six months. And he wrote a devotion that it came across after John had passed. And in that devotion, he said, God is real. His promises are real. My daughter is safe. And I shall live to proclaim him. Sola fides, 
Sole gratia. Sola scriptura. The word of God. In his powerful name. Amen. Friends, would you rise? You were in awe, Jesus. You were in awe of the word of God. Here comes Satan at the very beginning of your ministry. And your weapon was the word of God. Here is the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Put on all the armor of God. What is the armor of God? It is his word. King David, when he goes out to fight Goliath, what is his weapon? He says, God shall be with me. And when he's confronting Goliath himself, he says, Goliath, he come to me with sword and spear. I come to you with the word of God. The Israelites, uh, Pharaoh behind them, Red Sea in front of them. What does God say to them through the voice of Moses? He says to them, you wait here, do nothing. God himself shall bring forth and shall save you. It's all there, Lord. It's all there. All the stories, all the testimony, all the promises, not from the lips of men, Second Peter 1.20. Every prophecy in Scripture came from the mouth of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Did they write God's testimony and his promises? Heavenly Father, may we respect your word more than we do. May we fly to it not just in moments of trial, but in moments of calmness and joy and peace. Your word in our Savior's name. Amen.